The year is 1918 and the destructive First World War is almost ending. And one of the most important milestones that marked the end of the First World War was something called the Armistice of Mudros, which was signed on 30th October 1918. Mudros is a small town in Greece today, but it used to be an important naval base for uh, several centuries, including the First World War. And this Armistice of Mudros, or a treaty, marked the end of the hostilities between the Allied forces and the Turkish Ottoman Empire. One of the important conditions of the Armistice of Mudros was the partitioning of the Turkish Ottoman Empire, also known as the Ottoman Caliphate. The actual partition occurred in something called the Treaty of Severus, which was signed in August 1920 in a porcelain factory in the town of Severus in France. This treaty eventually gave rise to the new independent nations, which are since come to be known as Syria, Lebanon and Yemen, among other small nation states in that region. So with this treaty, with this armistice, the 400 year long Turkish Caliphate or the Ottoman Caliphate or the Ottoman Empire came to a crashing end. So the Sultan who was ruling uh, during that time when the treaty was signed was somebody named Sultan Muhammad VI. Uh, according to the terms of the armistice, he was allowed to merely retain his position and his title but was virtually powerless. So something else was happening during this time. The people of Turkey, the ordinary citizens of Turkey, saw this armistice as a great national humiliation and they held this Sultan responsible for it. And they directed their anger against the Sultan and this was this movement as it intensified, uh, Mustafa Kemal Pasha became the head of the leader of this movement. Uh, so the Sultan panicked and he rang up his uh, uh, cousin named Abdul Majid and overnight he declared that Abdul Majid is the Caliph or the Khalifa of whatever was left of the Ottoman Empire. He, that was his desperate hope to kind of, you know, quell the anger of his citizens. But this move only backfired against him in a very bad way because by that time, the entire Muslim world in that region, including the Arabs and some in Egypt, had completely rejected the Caliph's authority and this is where our story really begins. So the abolition of the Ottoman Caliphate caused a massive shock in the most unlikely place on the earth, India. India, not an independent India, which was then the colony of the Imperial British. But more specifically in India, it caused panic in an extremely influential section of Indian Muslims. To these Muslims, the abolition of the Ottoman Empire they felt like almost the earth had opened up under them and was threatening to swallow them. So this is where it becomes important for all of us to have what I call a sense of history. And uh, there's no greater error than looking at history in isolation, looking at it historical 
events in a fragmented piecemeal uh, fashion. Our sense of history must be integrated and unbroken in order for us to make sense of both the past and the present and hopefully draw some lessons for the future. So coming back to the present context, this sense of history also reveals an important truth. The truth is the significance of the Ottoman Caliphate for the Indian Muslims of those days. So we need to ask this question, obvious question, why was the Caliphate so important to Indian Muslims even when the Arab world had rejected the Caliphate so thoroughly? Why was it so important for Indian Muslims? So the answer to this question dates back all the way to Muhammad bin Qasim, the first alien Muslim invader to conquer Sindh. And then all of us know all the successive waves of uh, alien Muslim invaders who established uh, Muslim empires in different parts of India of different sizes, all the way up to the Mughals, all the way up to Aurangzeb and of course Tipu Sultan. So without exception, all Muslim Sultans swore loyalty to the Caliph. Remember that the Caliph had sponsored the early invaders, uh, funded their armies. They said, we are going to conquer Hindustan and put the sword of Islam here. So all of these Sultans, they swore loyalty to the Khalifa for at, and for at least six centuries, they sent him annual tributes in the form of money, gold, jewelry, horses, and even women and slaves because that Middle East region had a thriving slave market. So, and some of the sultans also minted coins in India bearing the name of the Khalifa. Uh, the Caliph also played an extremely central role in the Muslim Ummah, which means the global Muslim Brotherhood because he was not a mere political leader. The Khalifa was also seen as the religious protector and enforcer of Islam in the world, wherever Muslims were there in the world. This was the centrality and the role of enjoyed by the Khalifa. So uh, to put it in a different fashion, the term Khalifa or Caliph also means that he is a Khalifa, the protector of Islam and not just and not just the Khalifa of the Ottoman Turks. So his reach was global, his authority was kind of universal if you want to uh, take their version of it. But uh, with a comprehensive uh, disintegration of the Mughals after Aurangzeb died, the Muslim leadership in India noticed with great sadness that their magnificent project of Islamizing all of Hindustan was systematically coming apart. Even to this day, and I don't, uh, I'm not making this up, even to this day in both Pakistan and India, the lament among a significant section of Muslim leadership is the death of Aurangzeb. In fact, one of the tactics uh, that the British had used to ensure the loyalty of Muslims towards them was to convince the Muslims that they, the Muslims, were the real rulers of Hindustan and that we, the British, are your protectors. Without us, your Islam will go. You are the real rulers of Hindustan and if we move out of the scene, the barbaric Hindus will wipe you out. 
this was one of the tactics that the british used to keep their loyalty and so when the armistice of mudros ended the ottoman caliphate it also made the indian muslims extremely nervous and very very angry so what did they do they decided to do something about it and what was that something it begins roughly in 1919 when a man named mohammad ali jauhar led a delegation of indian muslims to london he petitioned and no he didn't petition he demanded the british government to restore the caliphate and obviously it was a colonial british government they laughed at him and threw his demand in the dustbin so obviously mohammad ali jauhar was very very angry at this kind of rejection and uh, from this rejection something called a khilafat committee was born the demand of the khilafat committee was straightforward a complete boycott and protest against the british government in india until the caliphate was restored so it is clear that from the very beginning there was nothing nationalistic there was nothing patriotic or there was nothing indian about the khilafat committee its ultimate goal was to serve a pan islamic cause and all means all methods all tactics were completely valid nothing was out of bounds so this is a brief story of the origin of what later became the khilafat movement